Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The passage of time will now bring you to something strange, unique, and idiosyncratic. Have a good time. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you wanna make love, then I do too, and I'll be right there behind you. Greetings, constant listeners, and welcome yet again to the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast. Well, we read the news and we talk about the news. It's something we do every day as friends, as enemies, as general well-wishers, and today we want to share some of our thoughts on the news with you. Stephen King news specifically, my name is Rockin' Randall Colburn, and who is with me to talk about the news? Mike? Hey, this is Michael Monroeville Mall Rothman. Hope you're heading to the mall next Friday. It's Black Friday. How about that? And uh, we're actually able to Please go don't go to the mall on Black Friday. You will <laughs> yeah. die. No, it's not going to be a good time to go. Uh, there's still something out there called COVID. So, uh, and also something called American capitalism. It's very dangerous. Um, speaking of American capitalism, we, we, we do have a lot of business to discuss because uh, there's a lot of uh, Stephen King business that's going on in Hollywood. So I'm excited to talk about it. Thanks for having me. The hot news of Stephen King. There's much to discuss. Dan, say hello. Are you excited to talk about the news? Yes, this is Dan, Gwendy's Magic Flieger. I am <laughs> super excited. Um, yeah, don't go shopping on Black Friday. I used to work at The Gap, and man, what a hellish uh, shift that was. The only nice thing is it went fast because it was just nonstop. You didn't have a second to think for yourself, and you should be boycotting uh, big stores anyway. <laughs> Will yeah, do. I'm excited for the King News. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Uh, I worked oh, at Eddie Bauer. Oh, this, I thought this was Chapo Trap House. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're anti-capitalists over here. <laughs> Justin, say hello. Hey, Justin. Juniper Hill Gerber here. And glad to know we're on the podcast with Warren Beatty over here. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Red's called. Wants his color back. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, Justin, are you excited supporter. to talk about the news? I'm excited to talk about the news. I was a huge fan of going to the Florida Mall back in the day. Uh, I hear malls <laughs> are actually making a comeback, as a matter of fact. I don't know if it's a community thing or what, but uh, if you do go to the mall, obviously, make sure you're vaccinated and or uh, wear a mask. Justin, well, what was your favorite <laughs> store in the mall? My favorite store in the mall would probably be the food court mall store. Oh, it's not a store, store. It's a food court. I would, I would picture Justin just being at Spencer's, going through like the nudie posters. <laughs> Spencer's, you know, because you go to Spencer's, you'd have the marijuana leaves glow in the dark. Oh and yeah, you'd have love it. You know, your typical. It. You'd have like Janine and Julia Ann in like string bikinis. When you who say Janine, is that Janine Lindemulder? Absolutely, oh, Janine Lindemulder. Who are they? Who are they? Give me a friggin' break. <laughs> uh, Janine is the on the cover of Blink 182's In the Mother State. Randall. Yep. Ah, I know that. That's more up your. Cool alley, I guess. That's right. I'm a cool. Um, I'm a cool guy who listens to Blink 182. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Especially after 2000. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, cool. Years. We got a lot of fun stuff to discuss today in the King world. It's been a, you know, it's been about two months since we did a Hollywood King, and there's some been some big drops. But before we talk about the news specifically, we figured it would be uh, helpful and fun. I have, everything on this pot I want to be fun. I want yeah, to always that. fun. 
we thought we would talk about some of the recommendations King's been making in his tweets, which you can get if you have our, if you get our newsletter, which uh, if you become a patron, patreon.com slash the Barons. Oh man, so many episodes, but you also get a newsletter. Uh, once a month where we track uh, all of King's, well, his most notable tweets. We don't talk about politics. Um, this isn't Chapo Trap House. Uh, but we, um, and then we also talk about some of the Hollywood King news that we elaborate on here. We also have essays. We have lots of fun stuff in there. So be sure to check that out. But um, we're going to talk about some of uh, his recommendations in these tweets. Uh, we'll kick off with that. Just see if any of you guys have, have seen these shows or read these books and have any thoughts on them. On November 15th, Stephen King recommended the Stars series Hightown. He calls it raunchy and hard as nails. Great cast. Uh, who here has seen Hightown? Randall, Assuming I haven't. I have not seen Hightown, but I'm going to bet my life that Succession is better. <laughs> You I'm only have room we, for one show in your life. Are, are we going to talk about? I don't think yeah, this, we I don't can. Think we're might as well throw it in there. Are we talking give about some, the succession give some, tweet? Give some context for it. Yeah. Uh, Stephen King. I think somebody had mentioned <laughs> that that the more or less that the characters on on Succession were mean and uh, and that they wouldn't be watching the show anymore. And King retweeted it and says something. Well, what's the exact? I can't. I don't know the exact tweet from. Basically, more or less. Yes, these people are awful. I stopped watching the show. That he was said I st- he stopped after a few episodes. They were all horrible or something like that. Which, yeah. come on, Stevie. Yeah, like uh, uh, it's like prestige TV. It's the best show on TV right now. But also, it is the best I, show on TV right now. I don't. Yeah. Why do we need likable characters? I mean, That's has anyone here read uh, uh, Salem's Lot? Like the lead character is not likable. <laughs> Yeah, but he's what like, you, you know, <laughs> he's hung. He's I was going to say, yeah, like, I mean, he's no, you know, uh, Kendall Roy, I guess. But uh, he has written some antiheroes before, you know, like, I mean, for Christ's sake, like Jack Torrance, you follow him around the entire book and he's, you know, he's, he's well, here's the thing, though, Mike, that's why he doesn't like the shine Kubrick's the shining because that's true. there's no humanity in Jack Nicholson's performance. And his whole thing is like, no, like Jack deep down, there is a seed of a good person in there. Well, um, I would argue that there is a lot of humanity in succession. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think he's, uh, I think he's being a bit of a boomer. We can set that aside and just say, uh, uh, we can say that Hightown probably has a lot of likable characters on it. Uh, one of them played by the great James badge Dale. Oh, uh, Justin, I know you're a fan. I, maybe I'll take back my guarantee my life on it. Yeah. Uh, I am a huge James Badge Dale fan. Same. Getting back to 24, Rubicon. I'm not being sarcastic. Um, the Pacific. Uh, the list goes on and on. How about... The Empty Man. Which I still haven't seen. It's fine. Yeah, it's what good. about the uh, that Sparrow Creek movie that came out a couple years ago? Oh, I saw that. It's very, it's good. That was it didn't good. like blow me away, but I liked it a lot. It was good. He was really good in it again, though. Yeah. Uh, a good actor. Good actor. We'll say, yeah. gun to my head, and you have to name any other like you know movies or TV shows that any of the other co-stars have been in. I'm I'm dead. Like I, I the oh. only name I recognize here is James Madgedale. I don't recognize. It would be funny if somebody did do that. Like. Put a gun yeah. to your head and said, "Tell Who me a he? tell me a, a movie that someone in Hightown has been in. in it's Hightown. not James Vegdale. Well, hey, look, you've just got you know that is your charge and prompt, uh, constant listeners. If you find me, uh, you you could be a little jigsaw over here and uh, yeah. you know torture me with it. Yeah. I, I feel like this with Stars programs too. They never finish strong. Like the last Stars program I watched in Ernst was uh, American Gods, and they all kind of just have this like fizzling effect over the seasons. They never keep any kind of momentum." 
Yeah, they'll kind of just stop showing them. It won't even yeah. have any finales. It's just like, oh, that's a wrap on this program. We're moving on. Uh, yeah, I've yeah, only, only seen Stars Wise, I think, Party Down and uh, what's the, what's the, oh, The Girlfriend Experience. I only watched the first season, though. But it wait, was wait, good. Party was Down good. with Stars? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's a great show. I mean, the beginning the ends, though. Well, it's coming back. They just announced it today. Really? Oh, Ash, wow. Ash versus yeah, Evil Stephen Dead. King is writing and producing it. <laughs> nice. God yeah. Almighty. Yeah. All right, he, next he's... tweet. Next tweet. Jeez. Hold on. I thought this was supposed to be a fun podcast. This is The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. Thrilling, literate, scary, immersive. Bonus, the most terrifying one-on-one basketball contest ever. Makes that kid and the devil fighting for a golden fiddle look tame. Uh, Justo, the most terrifying Ooh. one-on-one basketball contest ever. Do you have an answer? I think, well, for me, the most fun would probably be the, I think it was the 1987 slam dunk contest between Michael Jordan and Dominique Wilkins with a showcase of athleticism, of wow. jumping from the, the free throw line. Uh, not terrifying, but definitely uh, I was on the edge of my seat as a little boy. Well, then this seems like a good recommendation for you. I, I've heard of this book. I have it on my Kindle. I've not read it yet. Uh, but Stephen Grand Jones is the kind of guy who I feel like every week he has a new book coming out. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Any other, any fans of him here? I've not, I've not read anything by Mr. Jones. Well, unfortunately, all my, I read is uh, Stephen King. So, yeah. <laughs> my, uh, best one-on-one basketball would have to be from the movie Catwoman, where oh, uh, Haley Berry and Benjamin Bratt have this weird like breakdance sexual basketball game, and their technique is hot. awful. It's worth watching on YouTube. It's so bad. They like nice. bump it off their hip and make it go in for like three points. There's a lot of zooming ins and outs in that in that scene. Yes, I'll say. One if, of my, uh, oh, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, if we're talking about one-on-one basketball, you know, you got to go with the ending of He Got Game between uh, Ray Allen and Denzel Washington. Uh, hell, of mm. a, hell of a finale there. Um, That's really good. A little long of a movie, but I love the movie. But, yeah. Very I was going to say, one of my teachers in college slept with Benjamin Bratt. Okay. Well, we're going to give her name and address right now or later uh, on? Yeah. At the, stick around to the end of the episode. I got or, his, or his name. and uh, Who knows? <laughs> love would love him to maybe you can be on the pod we can talk to him about it benjamin uh, bratt <laughs> november 8th no second chances by uh somebody's cursor is on and i can't read the first name is it rio rio there we go oh wait no rio rio ewers mm. a rip-roaring hollywood noir that smashes the pedal to the metal and keeps it there the best villain since ian fleming's james bond novels that's a Whoa, bold Jesus statement Christ. available in february of 22 but maybe order now this one is hot just saying love the just saying also uh pedal of the metal he's he's one degree away from high octane thriller which but, is the uh, best thing you can say about any movie high octane thriller right to go home you know yeah uh first of all this title seems a little unfair no second chances i mean let's give somebody a chance here yeah. Second, I wonder though if 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 he's seen Succession because I think one of my favorite villains of recent history is Logan Roy, played by yeah, the, um, yeah played by now now I'm losing my Brian mind. Cox. Brian Cox. Like, You'd think that he Cox. would give Succession a second chance, but I guess he subscribes to the no second chances rule. Yeah, it's too bad. I blame this book. Okay, <laughs> available in February of 22, but maybe or oh, I just read that November 1st. Uh, he tweeted, "Is why the last man really canceled? Please say not." Although far from perfect, and some of the scenes are so dark you can't tell who's talking, it's one of the most interesting shows on TV. Come on, Hulu, or somebody, don't leave me hanging. So what did Why the Last Man do to get canceled? Did it, um... You know, I heard his someone? production was just awful. Like, I read the comics, like, I'm a big fan of the comic series, but I heard this was just, like, a bland 
milk toast. You know, like the, all the set pieces are very predictable. There mm. were a lot of delays. Believe it or not, I actually have a sincere answer for this. <laughs> okay. Um, there were a lot of delays. and like, But like Dan said, this has been plagued in production hell. It was also delayed by years and years and years of, of development. Showrunners starting and, and, and leaving. They like scrapped the original pilot, apparently. Uh, but the, the problem was there were so many delays that uh, cast members weren't contracted right away. So they had the opportunity to go do other things or get paid a lot of money. And... I guess FX said it wasn't worth, you know, doling out that yeah. much more cash. But again, I mean, as popular as this comic was, it was one of those things that just seemed doomed from the start. Like there was yeah. just, I don't know what the audience is at this moment in time for why the last man. Yeah. I know Barry Keown was attached at some point, mm-hmm. uh, but then he got that Marvel call. So he's yeah. one of the Eternals. Um, would have liked to see him as why the last man. Uh, uh, but why am I going to watch this show if Barry Keown's not on it? A lot of rumors so. about Keown right now, about certain villains he may be playing next Ooh. year in a little movie called Dune Part 2. Oh, talking about. no shit. Yeah, so um, that'd be interesting. Well, that's exciting. Um, okay, Why the Last Man uh, is canceled, but maybe Hulu... I mean, getting a bump from King, I mean, that's got to help. That's got to maybe raise a few eyebrows um, on... Uh, you know, on the socials, in the boardrooms, whatever. Uh, October 25th, he tweeted, I got an advanced look at Last Night in Soho and plan to see it again when it opens on Friday. I hardly ever rewatch. There's so many good things out there, but this one is special. Time travel with a twist. Uh, we got some right heads in here. Where's the Soho heads? Uh, I got to see it, it right? Yeah. yeah, I saw it a week ago. Um, I thought it was fine. You know, I, I'm actually a big right fan. Uh, probably the biggest Edgar Wright fan on this podcast, but I just felt that the characters were a little flat. Um, I thought stylishly it looked great. Some of his sharpest direction. Um, the, the you know he pays in debt to the the actual '60s a little bit, uh, where it's a love letter, you know. And I don't know, it's it's thrilling. It's got some really interesting twists and turns in there, but for me, I just I wanted a little bit more from the characters. I just didn't really get much from them. Yeah, I'm a I'm a pretty big Wright fan as well. Um, I mean, when he's on fire, he's unbelievable. He's so precise. Mm-hmm. Um, but somebody posted, bring it back to Succession, uh, the Succession meme tweet where it was basically their review of Last Night in Soho and it's Cousin Greg going like, different times, different times, older times, good times for many, not for all, but for some. <laughs> That's pretty goddamn funny, actually. Love it. Well, um, I'll get around to that one when it's on HBO Max. Um, okay, October 15th, words of wisdom from Squid Game. Shut your mouth and grab an egg. Okay. Uh, he likes Squid Game. He's tweeted a couple times about it. Uh, I, I watched Squid Game. Mike, you watched it in one day, didn't you? I did. I liked wow. it a lot. That's wow. wild. Uh, Justo, <laughs> yeah. Dan, have I, you guys I really watched enjoyed Squid it. Game? It's funny enough, wasn't I the, the person that's like, hey, everybody, don't look up the show. I hear it's amazing. It's called Squid Game. You got to check it out. And I'm like the only one who hasn't actually watched it. Yeah, what it, you're like the guy recommends. I, I had a friend do that once. We were t- talking some subject, and he was like, "Oh, I have a book on that," and he gave it to me, and I read it. And then I came back and was like, "Oh, let's talk about this." And he's like, "Oh, I haven't read it yet." I'm like, "You recommended a book that you didn't read and made me <laughs> no, read it?" Because I, I heard like, it was like, I, I want everybody to go as blind as, as I was going to go into it, and uh, and I still haven't watched it. And I was look, October was a busy month. I was going to work yeah. eight hours a day, and then I was trying to watch a horror movie every day. You know, it's a lot. Yeah, I, thought, I like I like Squid Game. Funny enough, the first mention I heard of it was on this podcast when we were doing the Running Man commentary. 
uh, Aisha said, right. yeah, she's like, I've been watching. This reminds me a little bit of Squid Game, mm. which is a new thing on Netflix. And I was like, I've never heard of this. And I thought it was like, I don't know, one of those depression cartoons or something they're always uploading. And then uh, and then there was uh, like I, I literally opened Netflix after the episode and it was the number one thing. And I'm like, what is this show? Eventually watched it with my wife. And uh, yeah, I, was, I, I enjoyed it. It's yeah. was number two was number two. Sad Horses. Sad, oh, yeah, horse Sad girl. Horses, Horse Girl. Um, the Okay, October 14th, Chapel Weight Epics is very, very good. Balls to the wall, gothic horror. All thriller, no filler. So King didn't tweet about Chapel Weight right away, I feel like. He waited until like halfway into its run, which is uh, pretty interesting. Although I would say that, would you say it's, I would say it's my favorite King adaptation of the year, which is a bold statement because Lisey's story also came out this year. I think I enjoyed chapel weight more than Lisey's story but uh Lisey's story i think is uh perhaps more um has more staying power it's it's it definitely is is more artful but i will say i enjoyed the simple pleasures of chapel weight uh very much so uh mike you're a chapel weight head right yeah i thought it was really good we got a whole episode on it. You guys can listen to. We'd highly recommend it. Get that free <laughs> trial on. What's going on here? <laughs> I'm I'm promoting Chapelweight. Um, no, these these uh, I I Chapelweight. I was not on the coverage for Chapelweight, so I, I did not watch it. And Epics was one of these mystery box TV channels where you have to kind of go looking for it. Um, I wonder where do you, where do you think it, do you think it will end up though on a streaming service somewhere? Do you think it'll yeah, end up on Epics Amazon is going to get bought up like eventually. Someone's saying that they saw episodes on HBO Max, so I think it could possibly get absorbed oh, there. I mean, look, there's there's really only like three places for this, you know, for these loose channels to get absorbed with anymore, you know, before the big ones start absorbing each other. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I really like Chapel Wade a lot. I, like Randall said, I, I think I tweeted this a few weeks ago. I, I think it is definitely the best thing we've seen from Stephen King in terms of adaptations this year. Um, it's just original. It's It's got just an an unbelievable palette to it. You know, I, I really love the production design on it. I know I, it was funny because we had Anthony Bresnikan on a couple of weeks ago and he talked about the production design of it. And he was like, ah, I think that they had a little bit more money. And I was like, ah, I don't know. I thought they did a really good job. Like I actually loved the, the sort of, um, everything felt lived in despite it being, you know, from a different time period where they had clearly had to create the sets. And I don't know, I just thought the performance was really well done. And I thought it wrapped up in a nice bow, which I, which is funny because, you know, without spoiling Lisey's story too much, I actually think the book has one of the best endings that King has ever written. And mm. then the show just kept doing the Return of the King thing where I'm like, okay, God, we're, you're, why are we still doing this? Like, well, you could chop off like five minutes here and you have a yeah. sharper ending. Um, I so, yeah. agree, Mike. I think the end of Chapel Way, I think what... I think the cool thing about Chapel Wade is it sort of provides like, I don't know, when you think of King as a surface pleasure and not sort of a deeper emotional one, uh, when you think about what you want from, I don't know, like a classic King novel, which is like some interesting characters, some good creatures, some bloody gore and violence and uh, and sort of, I don't know a climax that has that you can't stop turning the pages of that to me is chapel weight because yeah. it, it's not. Totally. Yeah. Because it's not, it starts off a little slow. It took me a few episodes to get into it, but man, I binged the last three in one sitting. Um, it, cause it, it, and that's the thing is it's so definitive. It's not like most TV where they're always thinking about the second season. Yeah. This was very much like a story that was told in one season. And, you know, it was written by uh, one of the guys who wrote flatliners. And here's the thing. I, 
I've since watched Flatliners and I really think it sucks, but it at least is written from like, I don't know, it feels very 80s slash 90s in the way that it just wants to tell a good story to get in, get out. It's not as much thinking about the brand and the franchise. Wait, did and he so, do the remake of Flatliners or the original? No, no the original. The original. Oh, he did do the original. Okay. Yeah, it's like Jason yeah. Flaherty. Uh, yeah. who, right? I, the one thing about Chapel Wait that I'm excited for, and I feel bad because I got the screener, but it was just such a, I don't know, sometimes if you don't get it on like, you know, the hype train, once it passes, you kind of forget about it. But I am sure. excited to check it out because it's got Adrian Brody, who played Josh Aronson in Succession. That's oh, right. more Succession. Great job We're going to keep bringing it back to Succession, folks. Like, I don't yeah. care. But he was awesome in Succession. His little, uh, I think he's just like a venture capitalist. Um, and, and Mike he's and I were a, talking. We were, I was able to figure out the value of the company based on a comment that he made. I was only $2 billion off because they confirmed it uh, this week's episode. So nice. go, go Brody. Well, He's it's one interesting. Of the great actors of this century, no hyperbole, and I don't know why he doesn't get like, maybe Lauren Michaels blackballed him or something, but I don't know what's going on. Possibly, <laughs> or I think he chose some interesting roles and interesting projects because True. I've looked back on a lot of his stuff, especially when we were heading into Chapel Wait, and I feel like he took, he took some risks. I also feel like um, I feel like Wes Anderson didn't throw him enough of a bone. I feel like he got this mm. great role in, in Darjeeling Limited. He's it's very so subdued, good in Darjeeling. But it's a very it's a very minor. There's a lot of like stuff that you have to like, kind of glean from the performance as opposed to kind of just like written there, which is why I like his performance in it. But then like afterwards, like you know, he kind of got bit roles here and there. Like he didn't get the another lead, which I don't know. Maybe there's just not enough room considering that we. I guess he has like what 87 leads in every one of his movies after Darjeeling Limited. You know, you get like Moonrise Kingdom. <laughs> Budapest. Uh, what's his new one called? Like French. Uh, French dispatch. French. I think he's in there actually. Oh, French, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's probably someone. He's probably one of the mains. But he's still. I just felt like beyond Wes Anderson, he really hasn't had much cultural currency. Right. He's got. He does a lot of international because he's in Peaky Blinders for a season. Yeah, that's and, true. Uh, Lucky that's Luciano, true. and it's a pretty good turn. But yeah, he kind of he disappears for like periods of time. But he he always. I mean, he comes back strong and it. It just might be the ebb and flow of his career, you know? Yeah. I like I don't think anybody was his legacy. I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I don't think anybody was singing hosannas about his relation, his um, uh, performance in in Chapel Way, but I thought he was pretty good. Um, It's it's a cool show. I don't know. I I hope more people watch it because to me, it it didn't feel and we talk about this in the episode. It just didn't feel like a lot of TV these days. Um, It felt very old school in um, in its I don't know, the storytelling, the uh, the the kind of just general formula of the series. I'm just not used to TV feeling that way anymore because everything always seems like it's thinking about what's next. Yeah. Even the um, limited series, Randall will have, sometimes it will, you know, tease the ending of, or maybe it's not limited. And that always bugs me. Yeah. And also it's not, overly concerned with being recognized as a King property. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious that it was for, to me at least. And maybe, maybe they've, maybe they said that that wasn't the case when we interviewed them. I, I don't remember, but I, I just, this, this smacks to me is like a story that they, an original story that they wrote that they needed some IP to attach it to. And they just kind of glommed it on to this Salem's lot prequel, uh, Jerusalem's lot, which I think works overall. Um, but I like, like that it isn't concerned with Easter eggs and stuff like that. It's telling a story that I think, um, and you know, and I think it does kind of do a stealth Salem's Lot 
you know, riff in, in some ways, but it's so, it's so far divorced that I never get a whiff of homage off any of it. It feels to me like an original story. I'm imagining Straker and Barlow driving or driving their horse and carriage by and then saying, mm, maybe next time. And then they keep <laughs> moving or something like that. They could have easily done that. I mean, that's the thing that's so, I think what makes it easier for them to stay away from the King stuff, or at least the, the more mainstream King stuff is the fact that like, Jerusalem's lot, the actual short story is so discombobulated. Like it's, yeah. it's so like, it is a part of the Salem's lot lore, but then it's also not like we had a lot, a long discussion about this in our discord, uh, which you can join if you join our Patreon, patreon.com slash the Barons. Uh, <laughs> we had a very, very long discussion about the, I don't know, I guess for lack of a better word, the stupidity of not actually making the Chapelweight Manor the actual manor that becomes the Marston house. Like it doesn't yeah, really that was odd. Like, why wouldn't that be it? You know, it's a creepy house. Oh, but it's not the creepy house. There's another house. It's like, eh, it just seems like you could have really, you know, streamlined it. So but because of that. Issue here. Yeah, it really is. No, <laughs> honestly, that's a great comp because it is totally that. Because it's like, oh, it's not LV426. It's LV426 one or yeah. whatever it was. Why are we here? Yeah. Uh, well, Speaking of Salem's Lot, we'll, we'll be touching on some newsy updates regarding that project a little bit later. But first, let's talk about perhaps the biggest bit of King news that's been announced uh, over the last couple of months, which is a new Gwendy's Button Box book. And now here's the thing is I think the big stir around this isn't the book necessarily, but the cover of the book, because the cover of the book, it's called. Wait, what is it called again? Gwendy's. Uh, I literally Gwendy goes to the dark tower. Gwendy's final Gwendy's final task. Gwendy's final task. Gwendy V. Roland. (laughs) Uh, It features the dark tower and the synopsis promises visits to Castle Rock, another famous cursed main city and the MF one space station. What the fuck is this book going to be? So Randall, I think we know the answer. What? Let's put it together. What's another famous cursed main city that has to do with aliens and maybe a space station? Oh, shit. Are we going to Haven? We might be. I mean, not Haven, not Haven. Um, Tommyknockers. <laughs> it is Haven, right? It is Haven, yeah, right? Haven. Okay, it is Haven. Yeah, yeah. It is Haven. It's Haven. That's right. Um, yeah, I'm... Let's go to Haven. I'm so excited. Well, I hope that th- I hope they weave the Tommyknockers into this. And, uh, man, that sounds <laughs> Please, great. Please, God. But, but, okay, for those unfamiliar, Gwendy's Button Box was a novella that came out around the time we started 2017. the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a book that King co-wrote with Richard Chismar, who is um, uh, the the head honcho at Cemetery Dance, which does a lot of special editions of King's works. Mm-hmm. And Chismar is also a, a published horror author. And they're, yeah, they're good buddies. And they wrote this, you know, really short, really gripping, fun novella that has some fun Castle Rock uh, Easter eggs in it. And also an appearance from RF, as we know him, uh, Randall Flagg. But I believe he goes by what? Richard Ferris in, yeah. in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, but then uh, Chismar wrote his own sequel called Gwendy's Magic Feather. Have any of us read that yet? No. Once King left the project, I said, okay, I'm going to do some other things. <laughs> I'm, I'm gearing up to Same. read it. I'm just trying to locate a copy right now because I've got the uh, the new book that's coming out. So I want to make sure I'm complete. But I've only read the Gwendy's uh, 
button box so far, but I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, 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 same. Yeah, so we're going to read Magic Feather uh, eventually, and we'll be doing some content around Gwendy's final task uh, when that comes out in January, I believe. But yeah, I just want to read this this synopsis here because it is pretty interesting. When Gwendy Peterson was 12, a mysterious stranger named Richard Ferris gave her a mysterious box for safekeeping. It offered treats and vintage coins, but it was dangerous. Pushing any of its seven colored buttons promised death and destruction. Years later, the button box entered Gwendy's life again. A successful novelist and a rising political star, she was once again forced to deal with the temptation that box represented. Now, evil forces seek to possess the button box, and it is up to Senator Gwendy... She's a senator now! Senator Gwendy Peterson to keep it from them. Well, then she's definitely not a hero in this book. I think she has Oscars as well. (laughs) All I can think of now is the ending of uh, Mr. Holland's opus, when the senator comes back. She's like, she's made it. She's a senator now. Oh, man. That's all I can think of at this point. Well, if he's talking about needing likable characters in his books, making a senator your uh, lead character is not going to go far in that Well, if it was uh, Senator... Uh, Bernie Peterson. <laughs> There's no good ones. Maybe it's um, supposed to be like, you know, Gwendy's supposed to be like um, a twinner of AOC, you know? Um, oh it's true. Maybe, you know what? I would, I would not be surprised if King didn't try to, uh, yeah, to go that direction. Yeah. We'll but see. I think it's, it's cool. Cause the button box kind of enchants her life. Cause she's like overweight when she gets it. But once she has in her possession, she starts like her skin clears up. She starts to develop like as a sexy girl. You know, all this like good fortune comes her way, but ah, she they, should have they, just become an Instagram model instead of a senator. Yeah, but it, well, what's funny too is that they uh, they incorporate Slightly some real world, like some uh, <laughs> a mass suicide event gets incorporated, and it's unclear if she has any hand in it. Interesting. Uh, so, but where can you hide something from such powerful entities? In Gwendy's final task, uh, Horror Giants, credited Publisher Weekly, Stephen, Stephen King and Richard Chismar take us on a journey from Castle Rock to another famous cursed main city, to which we know will be Haven. Uh, actually, we don't know that. Don't quote us. To the MF1 space station, uh, where Gwendy must execute a secret mission to save the world, and maybe all worlds. Uh, this sounds insane. Uh, I'm, mm-hmm. ex- I'm excited for it because, I don't know, it just sounds cuckoo. And... I'm 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 up for that. So I don't know who's bringing the crazy because I guess I don't know Chismar to be a particularly, uh, you know, raucous writer in terms of, uh, you know, writing stuff that's as wackadoo as this. I but, only um, know him as a horror giant. Uh, he yeah. is a horror giant, according to Publishers Weekly. Uh, but I don't know. Is this the Moonraker of the Gwendy series? <laughs> oh, wow. Shots fired at, at Gwendy. No, um, I just, does she go to the moon? Oh, because I thought you meant because Moonraker's a, a very derided James Bond movie. <laughs> well, it, it could also be that. We just have not read it. So I'm, I'm sure convincing myself really now that the Tommyknockers are involved. <laughs> yeah, I think, and now I, think I am of... actually very excited to see what happens with Gwendy and the Tommyknockers and the MF1 space station. Man, like Gwendy goes to space. It's like Fast and Furious goes to space. Well, are Tyrese and Ludacris going to meet her there? I mean, I, I would hope so. Maybe Leprechaun goes to space. She meets Leprechaun. Hey, Bloodline, Hellraiser, it's, anything's possible when it comes to space. Hey, it reminds me too, I mean, things can go wrong, like the uh, space shuttle launch that uh, Roman Roy launched that failed. <laughs> oh, succession. we're back. Succession. It's a good point. Uh, Romulus. Good point. We're back. Sorry, I um, I'll stop trying to shoehorn those. But. No, um, no, I think it's good. I mean, it, if you if you think about it, though, like, it's just, who in succession... <laughs> they possibly make their way to Gwendy's Maybe Logan box. Roy wants the box. Oh, Logan Roy. Uh, oh, Mission Control, Logan Roy. Would Brody just be a good Shiv, give flag? me the box. Mm-hmm. Give me the box, Shiv. 
You're out of your goddamn minds. You gotta... Quincy? Um, <laughs> fuck him! Do the count! I'm not doing the count. I will uh, say this. Because of that cover, I mean, unless it's just absolutely brutally misleading and you know improper, immature uh, marketing... Which I'm the wondering. The tower has to figure huge in this, right? Yeah. It has to. Yeah. Yes. Because well, the, the button box, I mean, there's seven buttons, and I think six of them represent the beams. And mm. the seventh, I believe, is the dark tower or somehow connected. Well, I have a great um, joke that, uh, that would absolutely spoil the dark tower, so I don't want to do it yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I have a great joke, too, but I just can't say it. So. I can't do it, damn it. Trust me. It's well, hilarious. Yeah, it is. It is. This is. This could be really interesting, but, you know, King does like to slip. Uh, stealth, or at least in his later years, uh, later? really reference his early, his earliest and most popular works in some of these later works. I think he's gotten really into the whole idea of his interconnected universe the older he gets. Uh, I won't spoil it per se, but in the book Later, which was a hard case crime book that we thought was going to be relatively straightforward, there ended up being a pretty damn big connection to a... Um, one of King's most popular books, uh, much more much more pronounced than we would have expected. And even in Billy Summers, uh, a good chunk of the final third of that doesn't revolve, I'd say, but it's a recurring motif mm-hmm. um, is a uh, a pretty I- iconic location from an early King book. Mm-hmm. So he's Haven, Maine. It's Haven, Maine. Uh, I mean, we and- joke that it's Haven, Maine right now, but I mean... I mean, it would be more interesting than Derry, which is probably where it's going to be, right? Yeah. I well, mean, like, yeah. I, I hope not. I, I mean, think it's Castle Rock. Really, where else could it be, though? Well, like, they said Castle Rock like, and another one. Yeah. So if it's not Haven, it's got to be... What, Ludlow? Maybe it's Tarker's Ludlow? Mill. Tarker's Ooh, Mill. Tarker's, Tarker's Mill could be cool. Let's go. I mean, uh, I would... Werewolf I just think space? <laughs> yeah. Open the door, Mr. Werewolf. And then, you know... <laughs> uh, Richard Mr. Ferris Werewolf. comes in. It's like, Mr. Werewolf, I believe you're looking for the door to open. Mm. It's like... I don't know. I, I think... It, I'm intrigued by this. I think that... You know, even if it didn't have King's name on it and it had the tower on it and it had an endorsement by King, I still think I would be sort of intrigued with it as well. I think anything tower related is 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 enough to kind of turn my head just because I mean what the last thing we really had was what went through the keyhole, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I think for years that I think he's gonna keep returning to the tower. Like I think there's more books coming out, and I think the fact that this is coming just adds more fuel to that. Um, I, I don't think he can ever stay fully away from the tower. And the fact that he produces so much content, I think it's going to pop up through a lot of his works going yeah, forward. And, and this is not one of those Tom Clancy situations where it's like Tom Clancy's character written by Richard Cheesemart. He's actually back like he was for, for the button box, right? Yeah. Right. Stephen yeah. King is. And it's yeah, kind of he's weird. He's co-writing this. In the yeah. first book, like he, so King had the idea and he sent it over to Richard who took a pass. Then he gave it to King who took a pass. So they kind of like played a game of telephone with it. And I can't think of another book series where there were two collaborators, one stepped away for the second book, but then returned for the conclusion. It's yeah, kind of yeah it would be what's weird. strange about it, right? It's like if Black House had just been Straub. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then they came, yeah. Yeah. Maybe the third one, which they've alluded to forever, and we talked about in the last Bag of Bones episode, um, maybe the third one will just be Sully King instead of Straub or maybe Sully Straub. Here's Jack Sawyer heads to Haven. <laughs> what Haven so goes bad? To the MF1 space station. I need the Tommyknockers claws uh, to come to life. Did you ever um, watch uh, the show Haven? Oh, by the way, my pen exploded, so I have pen all over me. I was gonna say you're treating it like the uh, faculty, yes. where you're like um, snorting your John. pen. Well, that's what it was. It was guaranteed <laughs> to jack you up. By the way, faculty uh, currently being discussed on psychoanalysis in the next month on uh, another nice. show. Nice, so, great movie. But um, yeah, I got pen all, all right. over me. 
can't believe this. It's like oil, black oil, which is another show called uh, The X-Files. Not Haven, unfortunately. But um, Did you guys know Stephen King wrote an episode of The X-Files? He did. <laughs> we have an glad ep- you mentioned that. We, we uh, have an episode about it. You can listen to it on our Patreon, patreon.com slash the Barons. Uh, lots of episodes and uh, a newsletter, Discord. It's all the good stuff. Any other thoughts on Gwendy? Because I, I, I guess my general feeling is, well, and I've seen concern for this in the Discord and, and on I think in some places on Twitter, which is the idea of the tower being sort of a sacred uh, literary object for a lot of people and the idea of King letting an outside writer, you know, pen stories adjacent to the tower, I know makes some people a little bit territorial. Not that I blame them. Um, I do think it's interesting. It's like, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like another. It would be like having some shill in like the the early 1900s. Oh, you must be Mr. David Copperfield. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> how dare you? Or Leave like somebody out of this. doing like Harry Potter novels. That's yeah. Not although, although the cultural, uh, yeah, I guess the discourse out there would probably welcome. love that. Um, you know, anyway, yeah. you don't have to go so, down that road. Um, so, yeah, so I don't know. I, I feel like, Mike, you had, or Justin, you had mentioned the idea of this being, like, irresponsible marketing. And I I almost do wonder that. I'm like, I'm like the tower's got to factor in big or this is, you know, I don't know what they're doing with this kind of marketing. Because that's such a big mm-hmm. thing to tease. Uh, is, is, and it's not just, it's, it's literally, it's like the tower, um, yeah. the roses outside the tower. Like, we're there, man. That's we the took, dominant image. It's not yeah, just it's looking yeah. at something from afar the, or looking at a book or something. There. Yeah, it's yeah. it's the dark what if tower. It's, I mean. What if it's literally just like... Sh- cycles her through all these different worlds and then all of a sudden it's just like they she saw many roses in a tower and then it next paragraph and it just keeps going and it's like wait what? <laughs> and then she was back in haven yeah back in well haven. it does make me wonder like mike you are talking about this concept of like traveling through a bunch of different areas like uh you know becoming unstuck in the in the in the multiverse or whatever i do wonder like god how bad would it be if it was just king's greatest hits and gwendy like visiting each of them like uh, going to salem's lot going I mean, to the overlook going to the hot the, thing in the IP shop. right now i know yeah, the clown it. walked Everyone's... by but she couldn't quite place it so she moved on <laughs> oh god back to haven like what if it's just a big ip bomb God, like, what do we? What a fucking stupid era we live in right now. I mean, like, just like I mean, when you really just think about it, like, it, like I not to, I gotta go on a little digression. So I just went to go see Licorice Pizza. I'm not gonna go and and explain what I love and what I didn't love. I, I, movie, I liked it Paul a lot. Thomas Paul, Paul Thomas Anderson. But when I what I realized in that movie, it was just like for two hours, for two fucking hours, all I just saw was just like a just like sharp direction, be an original story, and then also in an era where it was so far removed from any of the the smut that we have right now, which I, I do say smut because I'm sorry. Like, I just think like this, this totally transparent cash grab era where like, you know, they just, they showed the poster for was the Spider-Man and, um, and Dr. Strange movie that's coming out. And yeah. it's just like, it literally is just characters like slapped on a poster with just references after references on there. And I'm like, how is this entertainment anymore? Like, it's just like someone, someone recoddled that or recoddled, reconfigured that as like an Xbox video game. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what it is now. Like that's all these mainstream movies are anymore. And so it just, I really hope I'm bringing it back. I really hope this fucking Gwendy's thing doesn't do that because like, I'm just, I'm just so tired of this shit. Like I, I can't, it's just, it's so like, it's such a transparent cash grab. That's all I could say. It's like you get all these fans going together and they're like, Oh my God, this is going to be in this. And that's going to be in this movie. And it's like, 
Yeah, but don't you see it? It's just suits getting together and being like, well, this X made a lot of money. Marvel versus I made a lot of money. Sounds good. Let's X plus Y this. Like, that's all it is. And but, I, uh, I have a question, though. For Licorice Pizza, were there a lot of Easter eggs? Oh, there's tons of Easter eggs. Yeah, you, you know, you get Mark Wahlberg's character was, from Boogie Nights coming yeah, out there. Hey, check out my dick, Alpha Malia offers uh, <laughs> Elena Heim Coke. Yeah, Thomas Jane pops up and he's just like, hey, where, have you seen my car? And, um, you know, and then... Uh, <laughs> And then you get like, and then it turns out that, uh, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son is actually just Philip Seymour Hoffman from Punch Drunk Love. Scotty Jr. I'm just joking. God. And it's CGI. Uh, no, if that happened, then I would just choke on my popcorn. And, and uh, that's a wrap. But uh, fortunately, that didn't happen. So go see it. Licorice Pizza, well, December 24th. Make Christmas with Paul Thomas Anderson. Based on what Mike's saying, too, I think as long as this, you know, propels and moves the Dark Tower movie, or movie, here we go on IP again, the Dark Tower story forward. I'm fine with it. Yeah. But again, if it's just a whole bunch of, oh, hey, remember this part in yep. the Dark Tower, everybody? That, that that We're trying to recapture that moment that we loved when we read it 10, 20 years ago. I, I'm so done with that yeah, storytelling. I'm just it's done exhausting. with it. It's exhausting. Enough. Okay. But we got some really positive things to start talking about. Don't worry, because I see what we're about to talk about. <laughs> uh, speaking of, we have an arrival here on the podcast. It's Mr. Bozeman, a uh, longtime, longtime friend of the pod. And uh, yeah, so Rob Savage, director of Host and the upcoming Dashcam, uh, he's, we really, I haven't seen Dashcam, but we're big fans of Host, which was a Shutter movie that was set entirely over Zoom. The only good thing uh, to come out of Zoom in terms of art over this last couple of years. Um, he's going to be directing an adaptation of Night Shift's The Boogeyman, one of Stephen King's earliest published uh, stories, and it this, but we've been talking about this for a couple of years. I feel like yeah. we've been talking about this since the old days. Like this is something that studios have been wanting to make into a project. I remember the guys who wrote, uh, oh, I, yeah, the Quiet Place. I remember were attached at one point. It looks like their draft was rewritten um, by. Let me see here. Scott it was teams. rewritten by a guy uh, Scott Teams. No, by a guy named Mark Heyman who wrote Black Swan, I guess. And then Savage is doing a rewrite now on. Um, oh wait, no, he's. I don't know. Oh, okay. I got, I got here. The guy who wrote Malignant or Woman, maybe Akila Cooper. I'm not sure. Uh, and the Quiet Place guys did drafts, and then the guy who wrote Black Swan, Mark Heyman, he's the one who. Uh, did the latest rewrite and Rob Savage is directing that. So that's what is happening on that front. Here's the log line, which is pretty much nothing like the story, mm -hmm. which we'll get to the log line still reeling from the tragic death of their mother. A teenage girl and her little brother find themselves plagued by a sadistic presence in their house and struggle to get their grieving father to pay attention before it's too late. Um, Whereas the story is about a man seeing a psychiatrist who's talking about how all of his kids keep dying. And each time one of them dies, they scream the boogeyman. And then guess what? Shocker. The psychiatrist is the boogeyman. So no therapy for you, sir. Um, maybe if that therapist went to therapy, this wouldn't happen. Mm. Um, I'm just kidding. I, I'm pretty excited for this one. Um, we're, I'm actually trying to get uh, Rob Savage on the show to talk about it just because I've, I was a huge fan of host. Like I, I was host is one of the few films, few, few original films in the last few years that just kind of blew me away. Um, came at a great time last year, obviously because we were in quarantine and we were all on zoom and I just didn't expect something that original and that dynamic to come out. And it was made during the pandemic, which is that more astounding. Um, I've heard, you know, mixed things about dash cam just, but the one thing I will say is that it's 
strikingly original. Like it's something that we haven't seen. And so I'm hoping he kind of brings that, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, magic to this, you know, it's a, yeah. Cause I mean, it's, it is an interesting project for him to stumble upon, right? Like I feel like with him doing host and then also dash cam, there's an energy and a momentum there and to kind of dial it back for a property that, as you said, Randall has been kicking around for a few years. And it seems like even the quiet place writers were kind of like, all right, we're done. Yeah, <laughs> It's, it's interesting there. He must have some sort of hook and interested to talk to him about it. Cause I, this uh, is a great story. We love this story. I also like Zoom, uh, AKA host, as it was later called. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a lot, actually. I agree. It was the best Zoom thing to come out, Randall, from, from the nightmare that we went through last year, especially. Uh, you're discounting uh, the George Lucas talk show. That's a great Zoom edition as well, oh, but oh, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, what needs to be said, obviously. Uh, and then, but here's, really the, here's my, it's not really a concern. It's just, I'm kind of, it's a wait and see. Because between this and Dashcam, these are kind of more experimental films. And this sounds like it's going to be just straight up. I'm assuming it would be a straight up just regular motion picture. So, you know, I mean, let's be honest. Eduardo Sanchez, who did Blair Witch, he wasn't really able to get out of that in terms of making a real movie, right? So let's see if Mr. Savage can make a a proper movie, you know? And and, again, I thought Hoos was terrific, but let's see what he can do. Are you saying that movies filmed over Zoom are not proper movies? I think movies shot <laughs> with four cameras and a Zoom experiment uh, in real time, it's a different experience than, you know, over the shoulder, left, right scripts. And I don't know. I think it's a different, not the same as, different as type of movie. Being on set with Jack Nicholson and Harrison Ford and the big boys yeah, of cinema. Of uh, well, well, I mean, the thing I, about- if- if I could oh, weigh in ahead. on this too, um, in the meanwhile, there's a movie on Disney Plus called Mr. Bogarty that actually. Uh, Mr. Bogarty, thank you very much. Is it Bogarty? I think yeah. it's Bogarty. I, I put the image in the document. Um, I, yeah, I watched it growing up. I'm all familiar. Don't it, even, don't 1986 you know original anything? Disney Sunday night movie. And you know who the father is? Is it Aston? No, Mr. Mosser, who plays Stanley in the It miniseries. Ah, yeah, Richard Mosser. That's true. Yeah, because I, I listen to uh, podcast The Ride, and they're like obsessed with this film series because they also have Bride of Boogity or Bogity. Yep. Oh my too. god! Um, Wonderful World of Disney. Worth checking out in the meanwhile, though, if, as you're waiting for the uh, proper Mr. Bogarty well, to come out. I will say this: jump on top of that. Speaking of uh, Mr. Bogarty, thoughts and prayers go out to the daughter and Mr. Bogarty, Christy Swanson who is currently battling some COVID things. And uh, we wish her all the best, obviously. Here at the right. Club. <laughs> well, Dan, thank you for recommending a Disney movie from 25 years ago. Let's, uh, any other uh, thoughts? 35 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> the golden era. Disney. Uh, so... <laughs> This episode is ridiculous. Oh, we've um, gone way beyond this. We have this. just gone. This is amazing. Hey, don't worry. I, love it. I saw is... some news bits coming up, and we will be going right back to hell. Just getting we get warmed up. <laughs> yeah, hey, up. speaking of uh, Disney, this is uh, kind of like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, am I right? You know? Oh, my God. I feel um, like I'm going straight to hell at the end. Oh, my God. Um, the Clash. So... Both I am men. now laughing at the Mr. Boogity picture, though. Don't worry. <laughs> I just stumbled upon in the notes. Um, so I think I? the thing about Boogeyman that they're so the studio is so committed to making this thing happen is that, you know, something like the Boogeyman is such a, a malleable entity that can be kind of turned into whatever effects are popular in Hollywood at the moment in terms of creature design. I mean, the Boogeyman could be, uh, you know, a fish creature. It could be uh, a big gorilla. It could, a, yeah, it, oh could a, it could be a yeah. It could be 
could I'm be imagining an the poster now of, of a closet door with a gorilla hand. <laughs> He's coming. But I wonder if this could be like almost like Salem's Lot because I don't think the Boogeyman story. To me, that feels like a creep show episode. I don't think yeah, there's enough there. I agree. That's the other issue in the right? source material, and especially with like the kind of twist. But if they just want to use it loosely for like the title or IP or whatever yeah. you want to call it, they could stretch it out into something. You know what would be kind of cool is if the actual uh, God, I, I can't even get with a straight face, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got one. Mike. No, but I will say no. This isn't even a bit. I just was thinking about something else in my head. But uh, what would be cool is if the actual short story was like I don't know, like an anecdote. Like you find out, like you know, he does research on something, and then you find out that you know through their there was another person that's like, oh, um, now I'm just realizing literally the ending of that story would be like, my therapist was the boogeyman or whatever, which sounds ridiculous. Is the boogeyman Yeah, like, like, but if they could do that where they actually do take the original story and wield it into that world, maybe there's something there. It's just, it's weird because like, you, if you think about it, like you really could do like a COVID Zoom style boogeyman adaptation and it would work. Like, especially if you made it only like 50, 60 minutes. It could be sponsored really by well. like BetterHelp. Like if you don't like yeah. your therapist, you can switch to a bogeyman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I was, I was wondering if Rob Savage, since he has this experience with sort of screen horror, found footage horror, that sort of vibe. I wonder how he, if he could incorporate that into this story. Since we don't know, we only know the story. I have to say, some red flags raised by this synopsis. Um, you know that it's about teenagers and a teenage girl and her little brother. Uh, that it's um, about. A dead mother, a grieving father, like that to me. What is I'm this? Starting, what, what is this? Like I'm starting <laughs> to get sound effect. I'm getting hashtag hug me horror vibes. That's oh, right. maybe I don't know. I don't. I don't think Rob Savage is a hug me horror director. Well, I, I, really well, don't. I don't. It's think in his name, you know. He's a savage. Yeah. He's savage. Like so like uh, just, Oliver Stone's savages. Yeah. So wait, Oliver Stone made a movie called Savages. Yeah, yeah it's based on the Don Winslow book. Oh, nice! Yeah. I just wrote. I just watched the new JFK documentary from Oliver Ooh, Stone. It's great. I really Donald, want to see that. Donald Sutherland narrates. We'll be talking about him in a little bit. Mm. Okay. Okay. Surprising to get Putin to narrate it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just want to see. Like, I know we've done the Zoom movies. I'm just waiting for a ZenCast horror movie. So, Ooh, yeah, I leaks. would love a ZenCast horror movie. Mike, Live Mike. Leaks horror. <laughs> Sorry, Live Mike. Leak is, Live Leak is a horror movie. Yeah, I, know. I, I love it. Mike's really gnawing on these pens throughout the whole episode. Uh, there's some <laughs> comedy where a guy is going to be covered in ink. It's like, yeah, I am. I'm just waiting on his face in a meeting. I can't think of the movie, but I just remember the guy drooling ink, and that's what Mike looks like. Oh, it's, I just have a, uh, a phallic obsession, yes. I guess. Um, I just keep putting something in my mouth, but um, anyway, well, we'll see. We'll see about Boogeyman. I just uh, I'm a little worried. That Boogeyman, they're not going to hold true to the true spirit of Boogeyman, Bojman, as he exists in King's story, which isn't really as anything because it's so short. I'm just being an asshole. No, it, um, I don't think you're it, being an asshole. I think you're being I, totally reasonable. I just I don't mean, want it to be like Annabelle so, or something, you know? Well, even though I listen, don't even hate two out of the three Annabelle movies, I just don't want it to be some franchise, malleable franchise horror bullshit. Where, well, where every honest. movie they're introducing five other, the ferryman and the bride. Well, I would I, I would not mind if the ferryman hooked up with the boogeyman here. I mean, to be honest with you, I would love to see these. Wait, wait who is the ferryman? Well, that I'm was, glad you asked, Mike. That was a character, a, a ghost they were trying to introduce in Annabelle Comes Home that they might still be making a movie about. But Annabelle Comes Home is just is a movie that exists to introduce potential 
creatures, ghosts that could be the subject of other movies in the in the Conjuring universe. Uh, uh, I like I, I did like Annabelle Comes Home, but it was mostly because it had that uh, that Amblin vibe, you know? Like yeah. Yeah, yeah, Spielberg. I agree. Uh, I like it's, it's it like too. a harmless movie, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. just the cynic in me that that comes out. But uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm wary. But I have to say, I like Sa- I've only seen Host, but I really like host a lot i'm excited for dash cam i like this director i like what he's got to say um and um, <laughs> he's got to say we have just we have been absolutely watch out for ghosts destroyed. Yeah. it's just funny because it's like I, i've been thinking a lot about this lately is that we we've always been cynical creatures but i feel like this industry having worked in, in, and left the media industry i'm just like even more cynical like to the point where it's just like like I'm so the, the, the distrust in anything coming out of like Hollywood. Oh, I know. That's, that's, that's the I thing, Mike. Here's the thing, Mike. It's not like we're being contrarians. I just think that we've all of us have absorbed so much pop culture over our many years where you, you can almost pinpoint whether or not something could be a total disaster right off the bat. Like, yeah. like, nope, that's not going to work. And I feel like more often than not, look, we are right. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Didn't work. Nope. Didn't or nope. Didn't even didn't even didn't not even even end up happening. Like, what was I the last surprise one hundred and eighty we've seen? Like Mad Max Fury Road. I mean, it was yeah. like disasters yeah. on the set. Like oh, I feel like there. Well, I guess I'm sure some, stuff since then has has worked. But that's some the people would one, say right? the Empty the Man because some people love the Empty Man and that movie yeah, got that buried. Movie. But I I didn't like it as much as everybody else. I thought it was fine. James yeah. Badge Bell, James Badge Dale, Hive Assemble. Yes. Um, okay, let's move on. Uh, so this is this is sort of moot news because it's already over, but I thought it'd be fun to discuss. Uh, Dish, the corporate, um, I don't know, the corporate demons that run the satellite industry, are uh, they paid someone to watch 13 Stephen King movies in October and to chronicle their experience via worksheets and a complimentary Fitbit. Uh, some and something doesn't seem on the level with this IMO. What are they doing with this data? And then um, when I read the movies, there was no specificity in terms of whether they watched the original or the remake. I'm curious why they care. Uh, But this was, you know, this was reported on mass by the horror media. The movies that and they the way you you applied, you sent in like 200 words about why you're a horror nut. And then um, and then you uh, they choose you and you get thirteen hundred dollars if you watch all 13 of these (laughs) movies and track your data uh, across October. And, you know, they would choose someone based on your your nutty horror uh, little write up. And uh, so the movies that you watched were Carrie original or 2013 remake. Come on. (laughs) Children of the Corn, Christine, Creepshow, Cujo, It original or 2017 remake, It chapter two, Misery, The Mist. Pet Cemetery original or 2019 remake, Salem's Lot, The Shining, and Doctor Sleep. Well, I mean, pretty solid lineup. I have one one question about this yeah. odd choice option situation here. What if you chose to watch the It miniseries from a- the ABC, and then you still had to watch It Chapter Two, which is a remake of the second yeah. half of the sort ABC of a miniseries? Well, I got to say, I don't think the the good people over at Dish thought too hard about this. Um, <laughs> you, know I can't, you might be right. You might I be guarantee right. the only thing these people watch is like old videos of Nazis in World War II. Um, oh, wow. So, Jesus. By the uh, way, uh, we're sponsored today by, uh, by Dish. <laughs> Thank you, Dish. Um, so what, what, you, dish, get, I what say. you get if they chose you, uh, they say to help equip you for watching. We'll give you a survival kit with a blanket popcorn candy. 
and some Stephen King paraphernalia. I have a question. Stage. Hold on for what is sure to be a terrifying experience. We'll provide a Fitbit to help you track your heart rate during some of the more intense scenes. Once you watch all 13 movies and log your report, we'll pay you $1,300. Okay, here's Um, a question. Okay. Uh, Have the machines taken over and did an AI come up with these bits here? Survival kit with a blanket, popcorn, and some Stephen King paraphernalia. We'll provide a Fitbit to track your heart rate. Uh, I mean, what in the hell? Could you imagine? (laughs) There were boardroom meetings about this. Mm -hmm. Like they got in a meeting and they were like, all right, Glenn. Project. Yeah. Glenn. Glenn. Do you have the movies for us? Tell us that Stephen King idea you had. (laughs) Go ahead. It's weird because, you know, this seems like a special project, but for me, it's, you know, it sounds like my everyday life as a Losers Club member. It's like a passion project. Where's my money? It's like, like hey, did someone make the coffee? Uh, I just picture this like coming down to the board directors, like after weeks of grueling meetings, and it's like, are we going to go with the Stephen King marathon or a silent disco? (laughs) Yeah, God. Like, or. (laughs) Hey, Dish, how about this, bro? I won't even. So. I won't even have to watch it. Give me thirteen hundred dollars right now, and I, I, and I will, yeah. and I will I, quote I unquote, applied. and I will quote unquote log my report for that thirteen hundred dollars. It'd be I funny applied, if the person I, they chose cheated and like yeah. <laughs> just made it. Just just made. No, wouldn't it be funny if they did all thirteen, but then they accidentally did the TV movie of Carrie, and so they were or disqualified. The, <laughs> yeah, Pet Cemetery Two. Yeah, but uh, like, uh, so. I, I noticed that another site called Finance Buzz mm, um, are doing a similar study to this was just with regular horror movies uh, to, quote unquote, investigate whether there is a correlation between a horror movie's budget and how, quote unquote, dread inducing it is. Uh, fine. OK, at least you have a purpose. That's I don't know why Dish. I don't know why Dish is doing this. And that makes me very suspicious. I mm. think it's just. um I was asking my wife about this because she's more level-headed than me, and she's just like, "Oh, well, they're you know they're probably just trying to you know uh, they know that uh, that all the horror idiots are going to write about this on their sites and be like, you get paid to watch a horror movie, and um, so it just it, and I was like, it, she's like, it's good advertising, you know, it, it's like tapping up a certain part of the market, and I'm just like, but who like like. I don't know. Like, is it Fitbit? Like, I mean, Fitbit seems like something that's at least a little more cool. Like, who gives a fuck about advertising for a satellite company? Like, aren't these people already exploiting enough lives? Like, I don't know. I I feel like they actually are struggling. I mean, I remember even back in like 2004, 2003, when my mom's like, Mike, guess what? I got dish. I was like, uh... It's like no, <laughs> like why did you get this? Like they like even rainstorms they it like breaks down. Like it's it's not a great software. Again, by the way, we're sponsored by the Dish Network. Uh, we're real big supporters of it. Supporters of Dish. My my thing is, I don't think this is the first time they've done it. Didn't they? I feel like they've done this like yeah. the last three years. It's been done I, every year. It's so yeah. I applied for one that was like a British company last year because they paid you in pounds. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, that's more money. Well, it is more money because you know the UK industry. Um, doing pretty good. Okay, well, I think it's kind of a a no brainer that you would watch these thirteen movies, most of which are pretty good, <laughs> so long as you watch the originals and not the remakes. Um, I think we'd all say yes, and there's it's not like you have to watch them all in one sitting or something. No. You can watch them whenever you like. Uh, but I have I have a theory. But before I begin, Justin seems like he wants to say something. Oh uh, no, I just posted something onto our uh, our document here. Uh, Okay. Um, but we can move on to the next dish uh, one to pay you thirteen hundred. Oh, yeah. okay. That's all so, that's all I was saying, yeah. So uh I'll just say this. Um 
I'm going to give you, I'm going to list 13 Stephen King titles and you have to watch all of them. And mm. you have the month of October to do it. This is for next year. This is the contest I'm running. And I want to know, would you accept, would, is $1,300 enough to watch these 13 Stephen King mm. adaptations? Okay. Uh, so I'm going to read them out and I need a yes or a no from each of you. And you, and my, my list you're going to see is a little bit different than the one there. And you have to watch every minute of this, of everything I name. So one golden years. I knew you were going to put that. I knew it. <laughs> Two, the Tommy knockers miniseries. Three, the Langoliers miniseries. Four, The Shining. Miniseries? Miniseries. Okay. <laughs> Rose Red, Ugh. Nightmares and Dreamscapes, every episode. Oh, Lord. Bag of Bones, starring Pierce Brosnan. The Mist, TV series. Ooh. Under Ooh. the Dome. Forgot about that. Uh, the Dead Zone, TV series. That's 70, your bright spot. In, 77 in episodes. Haven, the series, 78 episodes. The Stand TV series, 2021 CBS All Access. The last one, Dolan's Cadillac. All right, so what's the question again? Which one would we... You need to watch all of that in 30 days, 31 days. Okay. For, would you do that for $1,300? No, I'll tell you why. Because of the <laughs> 77 episodes and 78 yeah. episodes, respectively, of the Dead Zone. I, I look, I love TV, but we've talked about this before. I cannot sit there and watch 10 hours of a TV show in one day. So I can't even imagine having to do all of this. Yeah, in, it would break down to be days. like less than minimum wage with the amount <laughs> of time be, it would take. <laughs> it would be worth it. Even in this economy. The sad thing you know, is I've seen like something. 85% of what you listed already, but it was, yeah, this TV series is the, would be is, is the 25% Haven 78 episodes? <laughs> That's like 90% right there. Uh, so my, I did come up with a list. That's a little more, it's a little less of the TV shows because uh, you had asked to put together a list. And many of them are crossovers with yours. Maybe this is more accommodating and I can get Justin to agree because I'm trying to get Justin to agree to this because I feel like we we can get him. On our, on our, we'll do on a fundraiser, project. and this will be Justin's project next yeah. year. Justin's now I've like, got my own list of the thirteen worst. So let's, oh, see, let's see what you got. Let's see if we get some crossover. Okay, cool, cool. So here's my thirteen, and only two of them are well, three of them are TV shows, I guess. So I had Children of the Corn, mm, yep. Mangler, Graveyard Shift, The Lawnmower Man, The Night Flyer, Secret Window, In the Tall Grass, Dolan's Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> Maximum Overdrive. Poor Dolan's Cadillac. I know. It's <laughs> not good. Uh, and that this is coming from a Christian Slater fan. Uh, I said Maximum Overdrive. Uh, Riding the Bullet. Uh, the Shining miniseries, which we learned in 2017 how tough that is to get through. Uh, Under the Dome TV show and also mm. the Miss TV show. Now, Under the Dome and, and the Under the Dome, I believe, has, has two seasons. So that might yes, be rough. I think so. But two or three. The Mist is only one season. So, hey, there's that. Mm -hmm. So, might be a little mm. easier. I don't know. All right, here's what I got for you. Sleepwalkers. Oh, Mercy. God, oh, yeah, the, Mercy. The grandma uh, adaptation from uh, Skeleton Crew. Children of the Corn. Maximum Overdrive. The Langoliers. The Tommyknockers. The Dark Tower Movie. <laughs> Dreamcatcher. <laughs> the Salem's Lot Rob Lowe miniseries. Hell yeah. Desperation. Oh, man. Um, Tales from the Dark Side 
anthology, which is technically there's a Stephen King story. Yeah, there's one so in there. It's like word processor. It chapter two, <laughs> my favorite, <laughs> and the Pet Cemetery uh, remake. I'll do it. You'll do it. I I, I will do, do it next October. Oh shit! This is very exciting. I, I got scre- I'm, I'm gonna screen grab this, and we're gonna. Yeah. I cannot wait for this. A lot. This will be a great thing for the Patreon. You can, like log in your entries. Yes, I'll, I'll do it. And I can tell you what my login, yeah. my log credentials have to be though, Mike. Okay. Well, let me put one up, and the fans can vote on who has the best list. Mine's okay, adjacent, yeah, yeah. so it's a little looser. So okay. we have Shawshank uh, Redemption. Eight hundred words per. <laughs> the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> Shawshank Redemption. The Godfather. The Godfather Part Two. <laughs> Schindler's List. Pulp Fiction. Tokyo Story. Uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, that would be actually difficult. Uh, One for me flew over the cuckoo's nest. Jaws. Jurassic Park. Um, Are these just, just like the top? I'm literally on the IMDb, IMDb top movie. The Matrix. I knew it. I knew it. Honestly, I would rather sit and go through Justin's list than watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy extended cuts again. I, I just. But I you know, this is also about my list. It's, it's a little easier, obviously, is because there's really nothing in there that involves you know 80 episodes. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's just, true. At yeah. worst, it's like. It just Three. makes it a little too easy. I, I want these lists more punishing. Just a one easy way to make your list more punishing. Same with yours, Mike. Swap out Maximum Overdrive for the trucks. Oh, the, I almost oh, put the Busfield. The Timothy Busfield 1998 yes, yes, trucks, yes. which I watched for this podcast, and it is awful. Um, so, anyways, we'll, we'll assemble a master list. Uh, maybe we'll we'll fundraise for thirteen hundred dollars to see yeah. how we do. I guess we'll do a twenty-four is, hour I, marathon live on on Zoom. Oh uh, yeah, we'll do it live oh, on. God. I also directed like by Rob the, Savage. Uh, I, just to mention the Fitbit. Like, what about when there's like nudity on screen and then they see you like getting turned on by measuring your heart rate? I don't like that. That's what are the robots any, want to know. Are there any movies on that list that would give you get you horny? Let me see. There's got to be Absolutely. some nudity. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, definitely. We started naming them all. Definitely uh, Cujo. Um, what, what's making you horny in Cujo? Well, sweat, I mean, you know. I, you know, just taking down that cop. No, <laughs> oh, <sure>. my God. <laughs> um, okay. Now, um, I, I have 86 jokes, so we're going to skip. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. All my answers. Um, okay, let's move on. We've We've set things up. We'll revisit this topic next year. Uh, but for now, it's time to talk about some fresh blood that's come to Salem's Lot. Lots of casting has been announced since we last discussed it, including um, I didn't even write his name down because I know I can't pronounce it. But the guy who played Euron from Game of Thrones, he's going to play Richard Stryker. He was also an overlord. He played the villain in Overlord, which is a movie that um, I think is, you know, beloved by uh, some people in the horror community. Um, that was like the Nazi zombie movie. Well, one of them. There's a lot of Nazi zombie movies. Oh, but yeah. Um, but yeah, and this is Gary Doberman, Salem's Lot. Uh, three no-name kids got cast, too. Um, uh, one is Mark Petrie. And uh, the cast now includes in total Lewis Pullman, John Benjamin Hickey, Mackenzie Lee, Bill Camp, Spencer Treat Clark, uh, Alfre Woodard, and William Sadler. I actually just noticed, I copied this list from a website. I won't say which Alfred. one. And they say it's Alfred <laughs> Woodard. So not going to out that. That's your son. Uh, yeah. And um, where's Wayne? Yeah. So are we Who's excited? Who's Alfre Woodard, Woodard playing, I wonder? Uh, I think she's playing. They announced who it was, right? Oh, the it's doctor. Be... It's like Jimmy uh, Cody. Yeah, oh. I guess it is. It's supposed to be Cody. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So I, I, did, I don't know. It's just weird because it's like 
it goes right into what we thought was gonna be it's gonna be like sexy Salem's lot because like Euron is sexy and like yeah. I don't know why Straker has to be sexy. Like he shouldn't be. And it just seems this you know is, what? This is like, Leland get Gunt. the great like, James Mason. You know, like you go from James Mason <laughs> to the guy who played fucking Euron and does, do people even like Game of Thrones anymore after that those last couple seasons? I do. I guess but. that's true. James Mason's pretty good looking. I, I guess I think No, but no, I'm saying he's an older guy. He's a yeah. more... They, they got a great actor. You know what I mean? No no shots fired at, yeah. at Euron. But. No, that, and the, uh, the thing with Euron too is like that, that character was so miscast on the series that I think it soured that actor. Like I've never really seen him in much else. I think he looks cool and interesting guy, but left a bad taste in my mouth and I think Mike's mm. right this is going to be the sexy vampire Salem lot and that's not what I associate that story with is like yep. you know Robert Pattinson type vampires like it just doesn't it doesn't work I hope uh, Rebecca Romaine plays Barlow yeah. <laughs> it's just going to become like Underworld like, <laughs> um, no yeah. I mean we're being a little negative obviously but at the end of the day I mean Gary Doberman is writing and directing it so I'm yeah, like Bill Sadler like, I think that's awesome <laughs> Yeah, um, the, William Sadler is really great as as an addition there. We don't, still really know who he's playing. I Bill Camp is the one that really gets me excited because like Bill yeah, Camp's really I'm solid. A really big Bill and, Camp fan. Great character actor, and he chooses some really interesting projects too. So I, I don't know. I, I have to imagine. Then again, you never know because it, 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 we live in this era where you have to take these projects to get money, like because. IP is the only thing that drives anything anymore. So like, I mean, for God's sake, John Lithgow was in the Pet Cemetery remaking. I mean, I just feel yeah, like, yeah. I mean, guys, we we can sit here and say, oh my, this movie is going to have Denzel Washington, Francis McDormand, Joaquin Phoenix, you know, and you're still I mean, I don't. I, it's just what can I say? What can um, I say? Yeah. That I've been saying for the last four years on this podcast. Like, uh, I don't have any faith in this guy. You know who <laughs> I always who I always envisioned playing Striker when I was a kid was. The principal from Back to the Future. Ah, yeah. The bald guy. Yes. Yeah. Because they just, I remember them saying he was bald in the book, and that's the first guy that came to mind. Because Back to the Future, it's 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 one of my favorite movies, and I Did love that, that guy character. ever have hair? Um, <laughs> he's also uh, in... man Masters of the Universe. Yep. Because then he like, he like stays behind because he's got like women His draped name all is... over him. And... James of... Tolkien. Nice. Yeah. Related of, to uh... J.R.R. No, yeah, unfortunately not, not, but wish Dick of. Tracy as well. Isn't Dick Tracy? Yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, Yeah, so anyways, you know, we'll probably be talking a lot about the Salem's Lot uh, remake as it arrives. It's coming next year, I believe next Halloween. So a little less than a year from now, we'll be seeing that big that bad boy and and forming some some big takes on it. Mike. Yeah, we because we, we just revisited a return to Salem's Lot, and uh, we actually pretty complimentary of it. Uh, it's a fun episode. You can get it at uh, patreon.com slash the parents. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug. But I will say one thing that we did, one of the takeaways that I had in there was that I feel like Larry Cohen's uh, portraits of a small town New England are going to look more like the Salem's Lot book than the one that we're going to get next year. That's I, my hot take. You know what, somebody who still does not like Return to Salem's Lot, I will 100% agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it's going to be interesting. Uh, most definitely. I, I have a question. What would it take for you to be excited for this, for this movie? Like what could possibly be announced that would make you excited for this Salem's Lot? You know what Lot? it would be? It would be the reverse of what happened on it. Well, in the last hour, they got rid of Gary Doberman and replaced him with, I don't know, somebody else. <laughs> I'd say that's possible, but... <laughs> They, they already started shooting, so unless... Hey, um, you know, they started f- shooting solo, and they got Ron Howard. Let's get Ron Howard in here to do Salem's Lot. 
<laughs> so here's a question to you, Justin. You said anyone. Robert Zemeckis okay. tomorrow says that he's going to go do sound Are you excited? He's going to say, I, look, I got this great technology from Welcome to Morrowind, yeah. and I'm going to bring it to Salem's <laughs> Lot. We're going to do it. Bill yeah. Camp, I, one of the performances I really liked was uh, The Night Of on HBO, which also has yeah. Succession on it. So, just Oh, start. yes, it's true. <laughs> uh, HBO knows talent. You know, I will say, I was watching uh, Autopsy of Jane Doe, which stars Succession as Brian Cox, and it made me wonder... Or maybe pine for the days when, like, you, you know, when there's you look at like a star that's in the spotlight right now, and then you can kind of like scoot back like a few years before that, and you see them kind of doing a little more adventurous roles just because, you know, they're kind of, it's not to say that they're a bad, um, you know, bad or unsteadier footing. Um, they're just, you know, they're, they're getting a little more adventurous. And I would kill to have like Brian Cox come back and do like a Stephen King movie or something like that. And if the, the thing that would get me excited for Salem's Lot is if, we had found out that Brian Cox was Straker and not, uh, you, you know, you're on. Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, that would be great. Yeah. I've heard of Brian Cox playing Striker, but Straker. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Blow it. And uh, one, yeah. on Striker, one thing that's, I'm not just trying to talk succession the whole time, but Danny <laughs> Houston also played General Striker from the X Men movies and Brian Cox yeah. did. And then they're both mm -hmm. doing a scene together in succession. I just thought it was funny because you'd have like actors being like, oh, yeah, I played Macbeth in a play, but. How often do you have guys that played the same character in a Marvel comic <laughs> then appearing and being like, oh, yeah, my take on Striker was this. You know, it's kind of funny. It be funny if they, you did a like, shit job. Yeah, I was going to say, if they like, know, deeply disagreed with Basically, Brian Cox excerpts from his autobiography. He probably doesn't think Danny Houston's very good. <laughs> yeah, he probably went off on him. The Houston guy is a piece of shit. He He's nothing like his father. Have you seen my McDonald's commercials? <laughs> I'm loving it. Uh, Have you guys seen those commercials that Brian Cox oh, yeah. does for McDonald's? Oh, yeah. Da, da, That's such a da, da, weird... Yeah. Well, he da, knows da, da, he can da, da, say whatever he wants now. He's going to have the McDonald's money the rest of his life. It's just such yeah. a weird pairing because I can't imagine him eating like a Big Mac or something. Well, speak for yourself. Do you think, do you think when, uh, <laughs> when, when the two strikers were in the scene together, that was when King was like, this is too far. I, I can't do this show anymore. I'm leaving. He was like, Danny Houston and Brian Cox in, in one room together. the X-Men from the succession. <laughs> yeah. We all know how King feels about his X-Men movies. Um, uh, love X -Men. We actually don't. We have but, no clue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what if you like okay. X-Men Apocalypse? Want, yeah. <laughs> That'd be a problem. Like a big fan of uh, The Wolverine with Silent Deadpool. Or he thinks that The Wolverine's better than Logan. Then I have a problem. Oh, God. Be, you know. Yeah. Uh, ring, 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 ring. Hello. It's oh, Mr. Harrigan's phone. Um, that's my transition. Mm. And I like how the phone answered. <laughs> 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 you can say it's Mr. Harrigan. <laughs> oh. uh, Netflix's adaptation of Mr. Harrigan's phone, which is, uh, yeah, an adaptation of an If It Bleeds novella. We've talked about it on this podcast. Um, yeah, two familiar faces were announced, uh, uh, to be starring. <laughs> Sorry. God, is... Uh, one is young buck, Jaden Martell, who played, a uh, uh, baby Del Bill Denborough in Andy Muschietti's it. Young the buck. other, <laughs> the other old fart Donald Sutherland, uh, starred alongside Rob Lowe in TNT's Salem's lot as father Callahan, which is mm. on Justo's list of the $1,300 <laughs> movie marathon. Uh, now, Two disparate generations collide in this story of a haunted cell phone that's definitely not cell. This one could be fun, but the leering gnomish presences. I stole leering gnomish from De Desperation because I thought that was cool. Uh, hey, it's of, on brand. Yeah, of Blumhouse, Ryan Murphy, and director John Lee Hancock, director of uh, 
of wait, what well, the highway the man. side, <laughs> the highway man, which I reviewed at South by Southwest. I remember you guys talked about that. Um, uh, they have us gritting our teeth a little bit. Production kicked off this month, so it should be dropping sometime next year. Randall, real with quick, Salem actually, Plot. Donald Sutherland did not play Callahan. He played um, Straker. Yeah. Oh, did he? Oops. But do you know who played? Ca- but do you know who played Father Callahan in that? Uh, James, James Redhorn. James Cromwell from Succession. Yes. Oh. On HBO. oh God, is he going to be sued by Greg? We'll find out. We'll next find Sunday. out soon. Um, uh, great actor. Yeah. Super tall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Donald Sutherland. So yeah, I, I I like the short story. I am not excited for this movie yeah. in the slightest. Like, you know, we talked about it briefly a couple months ago on the Hollywood King because we definitely talked about the Highwayman, how, how the Highwayman <laughs> that, that John Lee Hancock directed. <laughs> we don't have to go down that road again. But um, okay, you know, this is going to be one of those movies we're going to see at the top of the your your Apple TV where it says new and noteworthy. Yeah, exactly. Says, you know, Mr. Harrigan's phone or oh, I guess it's yeah. a Netflix adaptation. So we'll it is a Netflix, which there. means yeah. that, you know, they'll probably bury it with all the other 60 movies that they add every Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, that or nobody will watch it and they'll say it was the number one stream thing yeah. <laughs> of yeah. the week or whatever. Oh, actually, 200 million people. This, watched it. It's kind of like the Bozeman with. I just don't know that there's enough in this story to a feature length no. film. I don't know why they wouldn't just do like a cat's eye and take like three of the best stories from If It Bleeds and make it kind of like, you know, like little vignettes or something. But yeah, there's not, I mean, the the premise of this is, it actually kind of is like that Joe Hill movie that's coming out of where, what is it? He captures, black Phone? Yeah, there's, oh, the black there's phone. some similarity there. I mean, they're not the same exact story, but I don't know. I just, see like, it seems kind of kind of a predictable story to space out for 95 minutes. Well, funny enough, the, kill, the killer in the Joe Hill story is Mr. Harrigan. So it's even more. Oh, confusing. that'd be wild. <laughs> well, I'll say this. Uh, I guess the reason that I'm, I'm more eager to, uh, for black phone is that it's directed by Scott Derrickson, who I wouldn't yeah. call like one of my favorite directors, but I, I like sinister as a studio horror film. Mm-hmm. I think it is. Uh, I don't think it's a great horror movie by any means, but I think it's a little silly, but it is, uh, very satisfying and also genuinely pretty creepy. And so I, that makes me excited for black phone, especially because he cast Ethan Hawke as the villain. Yeah. And that to me is just cool casting. Cause we don't get to see that a lot. And he's Hawk also is that- sinister, right? Yeah. yeah. And he's uh, I love Hawk to death. Um, I love Donald Sutherland, but it's not as if he has a ton to do in this story aside from, you know, be a Die. presence from beyond the grave. Uh, Jaden Martell, I think is fine, but I don't think we've, it's not like I've seen him in any kind of uh you know, mind blowing performance. He's yeah. I, I don't know. I just don't, this first off the, it's more sentimental than creepy, right? Like, I mean, there's definitely some eerie moments in it, but it's, it's more of like a, I don't know. It's a little saccharine, which maybe is horror? why the blind side direct, it, it definitely is hug me horror, but it's a little, but it's not, you know, it doesn't come off as affronting as like a hug me horror movie. Like I, I just think that it works on page, but I just don't know how you, like, are you going to like, hear the phone and then it's just going to hear you're going to hear it like ringing is you know it focuses on the person who's going to get this awful fate happen to them i, I don't know i, I don't know yeah. how you execute this it'll be but hey maybe cy uh john hancock uh will, will, <laughs> cy uh, john will turn hancock. this around i don't know but it's, it's also going to be that like i hate when they have old people introduce the technology because it's always the same like how do i even turn this thing on you know it's, it's going to be <laughs> i think that's just going to be handled very poorly and embarrassing um also 
horror movies that revolve around some sort of technology don't age well because in the future the technology advances so when you look back on it you're just kind of like uh this is not really what phones look like anymore so very short yeah i would almost hope because i think they do isn't in the story mike it's an old iPhone because it it's is, like yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's, an older it's, iPhone. it's almost a period piece and that it takes place it is, I think yeah. when the first iPhones were coming out so that's one way I think they could avoid the dated aspect of it is if they you know do a semi period piece by setting it what 10 years ago or whatever um so I don't know we'll see I I don't have a lot of hope in this one it seems like they're I mean I imagine with with Ryan Murphy I mean Ryan Murphy to me like if you want to talk about just the dregs of modern horror, I mean the stuff that he makes is Oof, yeah. is uh, is pure trash. So and not in the fun way. Um, it's rough. Yeah, and I, I guess you know it just speaks to why I think we responded positively to Return to Salem's Lot, which is by no means a good movie, but was mm-hmm. I think we missed sort of the the Larry Cohen of it all, you know the yeah. the sort of scrappy punk. DIY quality, uh, the handmade quality. And I think that allows us to view it a bit more favorably now than um, they did then, because now we wish people still made movies like that. Um, And yeah, so I think that if Larry Cohen were directing this, I might be more excited. But unfortunately, he is uh, not with us. No, he's not, unfortunately. Uh, But the thing that I, I, I like that point, because it's I so would rather, I mean, we talk about this on the Simmons Lot episode, but yeah, I would like to see like more, I don't know, audacious sequels like Pet Cemetery 2 and then Return to Salem's Lot than like something that's repackaged as this like prestige thing when it's really not and it's flat and lifeless and sort of just, and again, the movie hasn't even been made yet, so who knows, but it just comes off that way. Like, I, I just feel like, especially in the last few years with the adaptations that we've received, it does come across as just like, you know, you get a lot of people that, oh yeah, you know, there's a lot of love that went into this, but is there like, it just yeah. kind of seems as if it's like this kind of surface level take with not a lot of like a lot of, not a lot of mind mindfulness to aesthetic, even it yeah. just kind of is there. And I feel like a lot of the projects that we've discussed today kind of come across that way. So I don't, I don't know. What are we excited most for at this point? Like, I, I, it's very strange. I feel like this is a very weird crossroads where we're at in the, in the, the podcast in terms of like Hollywood King specifically. Um, it's yeah. like we're well, at King's know, Avenue right now. We don't know what, what, what's the most exciting thing. Well, earlier this year, I think it was earlier this year. Time is lost on me now, but didn't you do a kind of, Here's what's coming in the King Universe episode. Oh yeah, that was Good. one of our. Oh wait, no, that was that was 2020. I, that was 2020. Well, maybe yeah. I think maybe uh, it'd be good to preview 2022. You yeah, know, see not a bad idea. Out, see what's uh, yeah. in the works. Well, I think a lot of it too is the because there's been so many slowdowns. Like obviously the quarantine, and you know people are not willing to throw money at projects until we figure out okay, can we actually execute this? You know, there's also been a lot of strikes with like the screen actors and writing. So I just think we're kind of at this lull where we had so much King content come out and now we're going to go into a little bit of a valley. But I could actually see like 2023 having a lot more King. I don't know how much 2022 has in store, but we got so much, you you know, you think about these projects take years ahead of their actually premiering. Um, So I could see stuff being in the works right now, but I don't know that we're going to get it next year. It might be the year after. Yeah. I mean, right now where I'm at, you know, we still have the long walk and I yeah. and just revisiting the autopsy of Jane Doe. Like I think Andre Overdahl is going to come up with something really fucking cool there. And, and that's an original story that we haven't seen yet. 
I, I still think the man has a lot of potential, especially, you know, given Savage. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited for those two projects, but I'm just like, I don't know. I'm like drawing a blank right now. I just can't really think of anything else right currently that I'm jonesing for in the same way I was for even like the stand last year. It, oh, it I was, know. I kind of, I was going to say, yeah, I almost yeah. missed the anticipation that I had going into the stand. I remember I was genuinely like, when I played the first episode, when I got yeah. the screeners, I was so like, I was almost, I was almost sad because I was like, my, my big expectations could very well be dashed, you know? Uh, as, and then as we went through the series, sadly they were, but I do remember really liking the first episode. So, yeah. um, so there was that. And I'll, I think overall I, I took sort of a perverse enjoyment of that series, but, um, but I, I can't lie and say that it, it rose to my expectations, although they were probably unfairly high. Um, but you know, you I don't know. What I'm looking forward to what is I'm trying to be positive. And, but I'm being sincere when I say this. Uh, the Girl Who Left Tom Gordon adaptation. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah. Duh. Duh. Yeah, that's a big one for me. I, yeah. But we haven't heard anything about it. So I'm worried that it's... I mean, it's still probably going to be happening. But I'm sure COVID has just fucked everything at this point. Yeah. yeah. Hey, the whole thing shot outdoors and there's only like one character. Yeah, it can't that be that is true. It should be easy. I mean... Why isn't this on Netflix already? Um, yeah, <laughs> Please don't put it on Netflix. Netflix. I know, don't put it on Netflix. Major League Baseball to get the rights to broadcast the uh, game over her headphones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, really, the Red Sox um, are really holding out. The license, like, yeah. Well, that's about it. Uh, I think we're going to pull off the, the 405 uh, because I think Hollywood King is over for this for this round, but this was fun. It was fun to revisit the news with y'all get a little saucy, get a little spicy, uh, and, and, you know, rediscover our love for Mr. Boogity. Of course. Oh, and and yeah. Brad the Boogity Always. for that matter. You guys should Bride watch it on uh, Disney plus it's, it'll hold you over. Yeah. I'm definitely going to watch Mr. Boogity as soon as this podcast is it's over. It's 30 minutes. It's only 30 minutes. Yeah. But the Bride of Boogity is the epic 90 minute one. Oh, uh, Mr. Boogity. Okay. So Mr. Boogity was sort of bride. like the. It was a backdoor pilot. Proof of, proof of concept. No. Yes. <laughs> Aperitif. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Antipasta course. Antipasta course. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, what do we have coming up, Mike? Girl Love Tom Gordon. We're going to be recording that episode this week and it'll be in your feed uh, a week from today, which so you'll have it for Thanksgiving weekend. So. Uh, lots of excitement there because I'm loving this book as a as someone who loves survival horror. So it's, it's been a, it's been a great read. Yeah. So. Dan Flieger, you have a new dark tower detour coming out. Yes. What can you tell us? Um, we're going to be focusing on the, uh, bends of the rainbow. Uh, so we got some interesting stuff, good guest. And, uh, also like to plug succession, obviously. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it really is HBO. something. It's the best show on TV. It's the only it like, yeah. uh, show that, you know, it's that Sunday evening must watch. Um, yeah, Dark Tower Detour is available to our patrons. It's where Dan and his guests uh, dig deep into the Dark Tower universe, explore little corners, uh, lots to discuss there. So um, big, uh, big, uh, big applause for your first episode. Everybody loved it. Yeah, nice. And yeah, so you can access that in the Barons, uh, patreon.com slash the Barons. <laughs> uh, Justo, you're going to be on our Tom Gordon episode. What's going on over at the Halloweenies podcast? Well, I'm glad you asked. I think by the time this airs, we will have released our first episode on Scream 4. I'm not sure how that's going to be rolling out now because it's going to be two episodes on Scream 4. So who knows what's what's going on in your feeds as you listen to this episode. <laughs> yeah. And then we're going to be wrapping up December. We're going to be uh, you know some more horror on the way, but definitely be sure to check out on Halloween. He's our Patreon too, which is uh, patreon.com backslash Halloweenies pod for even more horror. 
uh, for you horror heads out there. Because, you know, there's so much horror. We, we couldn't just so keep it on the main horror. feed. We had, to, we had to pour over into the Patreon. Much to discuss. Well, I let's all sign off with a hearty long days. Long days. And, and pleasant, pleasant nights. This is the end of our show, for now. We hope you enjoyed this production. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, and more.